Good morning. I am not Chris. Um, I know that's what you're expecting, right? Chris actually is at home, sick, be praying, that's gone through like the whole family. Um, and so um, I am not Chris. Um, my name is Matthew. I'm the student pastor here at Georgetown. And so uh, he called me yesterday, not sounding well, and uh, said, hey, you feel like preaching tomorrow? And so I said, sure. Um, and uh, <laughs> so we, uh, we had yesterday planned uh, my son Graham, who turned 11 this last, uh, last week, and um, his party was going to be yesterday, was yesterday, and we had the party, and 15 fifth grade boys played all kinds of games over there in the, the gym, and uh, then three of them came home as well, and spent the night doing wild and crazy things that boys do, and so they were downstairs, and uh, I wrote a sermon and went to bed, so... <laughs> Um, they were still up, so who knows what time they actually survived and went and, and made their day of the tape. But um, <laughs> uh, so I thought today, and, and by the way, funny, I, I'll tell you all this, this, this funny. So I got up here, first service, and the minute like I touched this, this fell off. I was like, what is happening? It's going to happen again sometimes. So we're acknowledging that at some point this light is going to fall off and we're all going to laugh about it. Okay. Sound good. Okay. Good, good, good. All right. So <laughs> normally on Sunday mornings, when I come to preach with you all, um, I tell you what the, uh, the students are learning, uh, over in, uh, the, the morning, Sunday morning elective. So I, I talk about what they're learning over there. Um, and they're in the middle of this big kind of Bible project of learning about uh, the introduction of the Bible, what the Bible is, and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, I thought today uh, we would talk about um, our Sunday nights. And so we have here Sunday night fellowship from six to eight. And during that time, uh, students come and they play gaga ball, they play nine square, they play basketball, all kinds of stuff. Um, if you need to know what those things are, I can show you. They're really fun games. Um, and, and then uh, Tommy leads us in like a crazy awesome game um, where we all get together and do something really silly or really fun. Um, and then uh, Layton uh, does worship for us sometimes and comes and leads us in worship. And then uh, I talk to the students for maybe like 10, 15 minutes, and uh, then they have some small groups, and, and then we eat together. And so that's like our Sunday nights together, and they're amazing. We have a great time together just worshiping and cherishing God together. And um, so during our time there with our messages, we have been kind of talking through science, and we had been talking about science and, and really kind of how there's more evidence for an intelligent design, a creator, than there is for uh, evolution or any of the other things that science is trying to prove. There's more evidence for that. And so, you know, coming out of that series, I kept thinking, okay, so if there's more evidence for that and we can prove there's a creator, then what do we do with that? Well, we put this creator as the Lord of our life. And so we have uh, been starting this series called Jesus Over Everything. And believe it or not, y'all, here's a cool God thing. Gwen and I did not talk. 
So if you're in ladies' Bible study on Tuesday nights, we did not have a conversation about this at all. We started doing Jesus over everything, and then they did too. It was really cool. Um, and, uh, and the book is excellent. So if you're not signed up for a Tuesday night Bible study with, uh, with the ladies, by all means, do it. Uh, it. You know, if you're a lady. So, um, but it's... <laughs> It's a great study, so go ahead and do it. Um, so anyway, uh, this morning I wanted to just share a couple of snippets from our series of Jesus Over Everything and, and kind of talk through what does that mean to put Jesus over everything. And so I started the series talking about how I am just really bad at math. And I know some of you are good at math, that's great. Um, but the thing that always blows my mind is percentages, I do not understand percentages. Like, I get excited when there's like, oh, it's 10% off. I'm like, yes. And then I start doing the math, and I'm like, oh, that's like, for what item I want, that's maybe a dollar off. And pay taxes, and then, well, I didn't make much money off. So, um, but, I mean, it can be great if your item is large money, but, you know, percentages really just kind of really blew my mind. But I did learn really easy, like, at, you know, when a teacher gave you back a test, right? And it had like the number at the top over like a larger number, right? And then I learned that if you divide them, right, you get a percentage and then you're like, woo! Or some of you are like, eh, I could have done better, right? I should have studied more, right? So you, you get that, right? But like for a lot of times, you know, you get a test back. For me, it was like five out of 10, right? Or five over 10, right? You got a 50% root, right? So, you know, like we learn that five over 10 or whatever. So we learned that whole idea of that, that 10 that bottom number represented how many questions there were on the test. The top number told you how many you got right. But what if we were to kind of use that same concept, right? Like for, for this and for percentages, right? But we were to take this, this bottom number, right, being 100%. And so we were to then kind of say, well, if that 100% was our whole entire day, right? Like the, our waking hours from the time we wake up and time we go to bed, right? That percentage represents our whole entire day, right? And so we'd be like, okay, well, you know, 30% for maybe, you know, work, you know, you, you go to work, that's 30% of your day, maybe. Uh, 20%, you know, dinner, thinking about dinner, eating dinner, right? Like those kind of things, right? And maybe like 10% like laundry because um, it always piles up, right? Or, or maybe for you, it's like, you know, hey, I got, I got family, 20% of family, and then like 5% of my day is sitting in a car line, right? Like, you know, there's all kinds of things that we could say, this is part of our day. Here's the percentages of it, right? And if we were to kind of break our day down like that into 100%, what do you do with Jesus? What percentage of Jesus would you say is in your day? Is he sitting right there at that 5% for your study time in the morning? Is he not on every day but on Sunday? What is his percentage in your life every day? But, but as I say that, I, I honestly think we're kind of viewing that wrong. Right? Because instead of asking how much he is in a percentage, we need to ask if we're allowing him to be a part of everything, of all 100% of our day, if he's really a part of 
everything that we do, every part of who we are, right? Not simply a percentage, but how are we invite him to be a part of everything that we do? A, a Jesus over everything lifestyle. If we're saying that's the way we want to live, that would mean that what we say, what we do, what we think needs to be Jesus-centered, needs to have him at the center of what we do. So living this Jesus over everything, Jesus being a part of all 100% of our life, not 50%, not 20%, but being over all of our life, 100%. If we start to view everything that we do needing 100% of Jesus. So there's this passage of scripture that we've been using um, in the Old Testament, and this is, this is one of the commandments. And, and it goes like this. It's, it's Deuteronomy 6, 5. It says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. And notice in there that he doesn't say, you know, love the Lord your God with 33.3% of your heart, 33.3% of your soul, 33.3% of your strength, which would equal 100%, right? So he is saying all. This word of all, this absolute everything, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. He's saying, love the Lord with all of your heart, right? And so when Jesus was tested by the the experts of the law, right? And, And he's even asked the question, well, what is the greatest commandment? What would you say would be the greatest commandment of all the Old Testament? What would be the greatest? And he references this commandment here. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And so he tells us, right, that this is the greatest of the commandments, right, to love the Lord your God with all. And he uses that word all to encompass everything, right, that you are to love with everything. You are to put him at everything and really kind of put him as the Lord over your life. And so there's this passage in Colossians. So if you would turn with me to Colossians this morning, and that is in uh, Paul's letters. So we're flipping over to uh, past Matthew, past the gospels, and then you've got your, your Paul's letters, starting with Romans all the way to Colossians. And so we're in Colossians 1, and this is 1, 16 through 20. And it says this, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Look at that. In everything he might have the supremacy. He might have the glory. He might have the throne, right? For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on 
the cross. So what would it look like if we were to put him over everything in our life? Over everything, over all the things that we do in our, in our daily lives. What if instead of just on Sunday mornings, we were to put him in everything that we do? Like Paul continues on in this letter in Colossians 3.23, he even says, right, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, right? He's even saying in Colossians, again, 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. So how do you live a Jesus over everything in your life? How do you do that? That's what we're going to talk about today. That's our big idea is how do you live a Jesus over everything lifestyle? And it goes into how we put him over our head and over our heart. Our head and our heart, right? So, so how do we put him in charge of our head and our heart? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to start with the head, right? Okay. And so <clears throat> you have, uh, you've probably heard the phrase, the head and the heart, right? You know, in charge of the head, the heart, right? Like you make a decision, is this a head decision or a heart decision, right? Are you using logic? Are you using emotion to make the decision? And so <clears throat> it makes me think of when someone's in love, right? They're in love, right? Cupid has struck his arrow, right? They are just stricken with love from top to bottom. They are just like <gasps> in love, right? And when you talk to that person, what do they do? They're talking only about that other person. Or if, if they're like, oh, let's make plans. Oh, I'll have to see about it with someone. I have a, you know, like they will have this gush about them that is just from top to bottom all about them, right? We've, we've seen someone that has been, if you will, stricken with love, right? And of course, the question is, do we love the Lord, our God, like that, to where everything in our mind and everything in our heart is geared back to that one person, right? Is it geared back to God? Do we love God like that? Do we love God with all of our mind? And so how do we, if you will, train our brain to love him like that? And I think a lot of it has to do with our prayer life. When are we talking to the Lord and praying to the Lord in, in our life? And so we're, we're going to turn back to another passage in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And it says this, to pray continually. Pray continually. Now, I don't know about you, but that is really hard. <laughs> Uh, we challenged the youth this last week to pray continually, and we were like, that's a really hard challenge. But what if we were to be like, okay, pray continually for 30 minutes, or pray continually for a day, right? That's like really hard. I, I attempted it this week. I did not make it past Monday. So <clears throat> it's one of those things where it's like you try, but what happens, right? Your mind just suddenly drifts away, right? Or, or something happens and you get distracted or, you know, something happens. But to pray continually is really hard, right? Like you're like set out on your day. I'm going to wake up this morning and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to be with me. And then I'm going to pray continually. And then your kids won't get ready for school. Or you are pulling out of the driveway and you're pulling on the interstate and someone pulls out in front of you and you're like, mm, right? But what if we were to flip the script and kind of say, okay, I'm going to pray continually, meaning 
when they do that, I'm going to pray that they slow down. I'm going to pray that they get to where they're going safely. I'm going to pray for them. What if we were to change our mindset in how we think about putting Jesus over everything? Or what that, that employee that is testing your patience every day, and they suddenly, you get a phone call from them, and you're like, okay, <sighs> again, right? But what if we were to be praying continually and be like, God, speak through me this conversation. You give me the words this morning. What if we were to pray more to, in every single aspect of our life, we were to then be praying for it? There's this passage in Philippians. So if you will, just like if you're in Colossians already, sweet, then you can just like boop, one page over. You got this. All right, so Philippians 4, and we're at 6 and 7. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this verse. Because, I mean, like, how often do we find ourselves anxious about something? Like, I don't know about you, but if something goes wrong, I think about all the ways that it can go wrong. And then my mind just does this, like, trail of, like, oh, it's going to happen this, and this is going to happen. Oh, it's going to be awful, right? Like, like, we are anxious, right? Like, we're anxious about what might happen, even though that hasn't happened yet. But what would be different if we were to kind of start saying, okay, the minute that that anxiety starts bubbling up, we were to turn to him and start praying for the situation instead, right? Letting that peace of God then guard our heart and our mind, right? Guard our hearts and mind, right? Start to guard your heart and your mind from those thoughts that are causing the anxiety. But it means we first have to turn to him, right? And we have to keep our thoughts then on him, right? And Paul goes on. He says this, he goes on, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Wow. I don't know about you all, but keeping my mind on whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is noble, whatever is worthy of praise, whatever is excellent, to think on those things. Imagine if our, how our day would go if we were to start thinking on those things, the true things, the things that deserve our praise. What if we were to think on those things instead of, well, all the negative, right? If we were to turn off all of those things and start honing in on the things that are pure, the things that are lovely, to start looking at those, how our life's would be different, right? Training our brain, praying continually so that we can live a Jesus over everything lifestyle. And it starts with our mind, right? Controlling our thoughts, retraining our brain, loving the Lord with all of our mind, not letting it drift one way or the other. This lifestyle invites him into everything, including our thoughts, including our anxieties, it puts him then at 
the center, right? The center of our attention, right? That phrase that I'm throwing out all kinds of idioms today, right? The center of attention, right? And, and when that person, we're supposed to focus in on that center of attention, right? And not letting our mind then drift, drift away to our grocery list, drift away to what's happening tomorrow in our schedule, what's drift away from all the problems and situations, letting it drift away, right? Like keeping our focus in on him. Now, this isn't going to be something that you're going to be able to just do overnight. Okay, yes, I'm hearing you pray continually. Got it! It's not something we're going to be able to do tomorrow. I I challenge you to it, but there's going to be a lot of times where you're going to fail. It's okay. There's many people who have tried to master this for years. It's going to take practice. It's going to take intentionally praying and finding those times to intentionally do that. Now, let's go back to our greatest commandment here from Jesus, right? Love the Lord your God with all of your mind and with all of your heart, right? So we've talked about our mind. Let's talk about our heart now, right? So you've probably heard the phrase, right? I love you with all of my heart, right? But if, if we say that, let's just acknowledge something. If we say I love you with all of my heart, we are legitimately talking about the blood pumping organ inside of us that's like, you know, that's what we're talking about, right? Like it's kind of weird. Like if you really kind of hone in on the heart aspect, it's weird, right? Like the fact that we're like, okay, and they don't look like this, right? Hearts don't look like that. Like they, you know, you know have veins and arteries and blah, 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 and flapper thingamajiggers. I used to know all the names of these things. Aortas, is that a thing? Okay, and so like, you know, blood's, it's weird that we say like, this is like what I love you with. It's kind of weird, right? And now, I mean, yes, we can go into the analogy that it's the one that's pumping the blood throughout our whole entire body and that without it, it wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't live. But I mean, if we were to kind of replace it with some kind of other organ, it'd be weird too, right? I love you with all of my liver, right? It just doesn't flow, or I love you with all of my kidney. You know, it's just not going to work as well. But I mean, that's what we do, right? We say these things, right? I love you with all of my heart. And regardless of the weirdness, we say it, right? And really, it's kind of to show something, right? With all of my heart, it's saying all of me, or all of my emotion is poured into this, right? And guys, love is one of those things where it's like really hard to describe, but it's, we all kind of know what it is, right? We all know it, but really when we start talking about it, it's really hard to describe what it is. It's, it's almost as if it's better to see it, right? And I think it's, it's no coincidence that the next commandment, when Jesus says the other commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, I think they go hand in hand because the way to love the Lord your God with all of your heart is to love another, is to show love towards another person and to do that work of love towards another person, I think those go hand in hand. And in order to love the Lord your God, we have to kind of love one another. And it's, it's, it's kind of like, I guess an example would be to where we see like a, a husband and a wife, right? Like on their wedding day, they're, they're getting married, they're exchanging their vows, yay, right? And then like they go home 
And as they learn what it's like to be husband and wife, they learn about the sacrifices that they have to make, right? Like, and they, they learn that to love another person well, it takes doing things for the other person when you might have wanted to do something else. And it takes a lot of sacrifice in that aspect of, of kind of, that's showing the love that you have for someone, right? It's this mutual giving that kind of takes place, right? And why do we do that? Because you love that person. And there's action in that. There's this passage in, in John 3.30. And it says that uh, he must become greater, I must become less. And it's this moment from John the Baptist is speaking this, he must become greater, I must become less. When, when he realizes, because his disciples have told him about Jesus, they've told him all these things, and he's like, he realizes, man, Jesus, he's the Messiah. And it like, it's this moment, right? And he, he realizes and says, he must become greater. I must become less. I need to become a footnote in here, like to his story. I need to go aside. I must become less. And so a Jesus over everything lifestyle means that we sacrifice who we are for God. The more ways that we see we can love others, the more ways that we can see how to love it's, it will be contagious, right? How, so how do we love God with all of our heart? We let our heart grow three sizes for the people around us, right? He must become greater. Let's show our love to others so that they can see him, right? We become less. So what would happen around us if we were to let our hearts grow for the people that are around us? You know, these are all actions, things that we can do for others. Maybe it's words that you can say. Maybe it's little things that just show that you love the other person, right? Loving others with actions, loving people with words, standing beside them, walking through the struggles with them so that they feel God with them when they're going through this. So just to recap here, a Jesus over everything lifestyle. If we were to love the Lord with all of our heart and all of our mind, if we were to put him over everything in our life, it would take praying continually so we can love him with all of our mind. And then that we must decrease so that he can increase. We must decrease so that he can increase and look for ways in which we can show love towards another. But you know, we can't do this like alone. Like there's no possible way like willpower, like I'm going to willpower it. It's just not possible, right? To train our brain to do that, right? To pray continually, to, to see the other needs around us. It, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, we want to say we can do it, right? Just like we do with resolutions, right? We can do it. But really it's the Holy Spirit that we need to call on to give us that power and that strength. And by no means, y'all, am I saying that I am good at this. I, in fact, I am right here with you. I've got mind drift and, and heart drift is what I'm going to call it. Mind drift and heart drift, right? Like my mind drifts like crazy and so does my heart sometimes, right? Like there's, there's times in our life when we 
struggle staying focused and putting Jesus in that 100% of our life. I'd like to say that I find my mind and, 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 and heart, you know, that they pretty much drift more than I'd like to, but I, I look at it like this. Here's, here's my example for you. So imagine you're out on a lake, beautiful lake, and you're sailing along in your sailboat. Just pretend you know how to sail. That's what I do. So you're letting your sail out, right? And it's moving you along, right? And there's this rudder thing at the back, and it, like, directs where you're supposed to go. That's what I'm told. So, like, you know, you're letting your sail out. You're moving your rudder to go the right direction, right? And so, like, you're doing this, right? Like, you're sailing. You're like, woo, right? But then, like, you keep, like, messing up, right? Like, you let it go, and then all of a sudden you're, like, going this direction. You don't want to go, right? You let the sail out, and you turn the rudder, and you're trying. You're trying to get it just right, and you keep moving it, but it's not going in the direction that you want, right? And so you're finally like fed up. You're like, fine, boat, go where you want, right? And like you let go of the sail and then you like, don't touch the rudder. You're like, just take me wherever you want to go, boat. And you're like, sail it yourself, boat, right? Like, and, and you're like going along, right? Because we do this in our life, right? Like we're like, okay, I'm frustrated about me trying to control everything. And you just let go. Finally, you're like, okay, Let's just see where we go. Let's see what happens. That's not really how we're supposed to live our life. Right? It makes me think of this, this story in the Bible where um, the, Jesus is asleep on the boat and all the disciples are like, doing just that. They're like, we've got a storm coming, right? And they're letting the sails out this way, that way, this way, this way. And then like these waves start crashing and they don't know which way to go. They've lost their direction. They have no idea. Like they're like, we're going to die. Like the boats, water's coming in. It's crazy. What do we do? I mean, like Jesus is right there in the boat with them, right? And then they're like, oh, let's go wake him up, right? And so they finally turn to him and like he like gets up and he's like calms the sea and writes their path. And I think about how if we want to live a Jesus over everything lifestyle that includes, you know, loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, it means that you're handing him the sails. You're handing him the controls. You're handing all of it over to him and asking him to be the one who guides your path. Asking him to be the one to right the way so that you can be focused on loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind. You know, we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to give us the strength to say no to the things of this world and say yes to putting him at the center of each and every day, to putting him at 100% of our day, to say, I will commit to talking to you and praying to you throughout my day, that I'm going to put you at my conversations. I'm going to put you there because I want you over everything that I am. Lord God, this is not an easy prayer. But Lord, we commit that you are Lord of our life. And then if we say that, Lord, then we need to put you 
everywhere in our life. And Lord, it's, it's not easy. And sometimes we have no idea where to go next, but we put you as our trusting rudder, knowing which direction we should go. And Lord, as we struggle with this, to pray continually, to keep our mind focused. Lord, we know that we're going to drift. We're, our mind's going to drift. Our heart's going to drift. There's going to be that thing that's going to catch our attention. There's going to be that thing. There's going to be this problem that's going to come our way. But Lord, help us to turn to you. Help us to say, Lord, I want you to be in my words. I want you to be in my actions. I want you to be a part of who I am. There's some of us in here that need to talk through what that next step looks like. How in the world will we put Jesus over everything? What does that mean? How do I begin that journey? How do I go through tomorrow with putting you as everything? Or if that's you, there are individuals in the back ready to talk to you and say, let's talk through what, what, the, what does that mean putting Jesus in your life as everything? What does it mean to say he's the Lord of your life? If that's you, there's, there's individuals waiting to talk to you. I'm ready to talk to you. And Lord, we just pray that you will continue to guide our steps and be the wind in our sails. In your name.